G'day Lions fans, Brown here, and you're listening to The Raw Deal, the official Brisbane Lions podcast. Top two for the second year running, and now just one game left before we get the chance to write a different final story. Today on The Raw Deal, we'll look ahead at the Carlton game that finishes the home and away season as Jared Lyons joins us as well, following his masterclass performance on Sunday night in Cairns. To start with though, Mike, uh, I think it really can't be understated. It's quite an amazing effort for the competition to have made it here, for us to be sitting here previewing the last round of the home and away season. It feels a bit like the end of, I mean, you'd know what the end of a marathon feels like. I've never done that, but it feels like what the end of a marathon might feel like to some extent, doesn't it? Yeah, like it was so unlikely six months ago. It was still unlikely. I mean, it was really unlikely three months ago, to be honest. We were were talking about possible um, boxing day finishes to the final Mm. series and could it be played in, in... you know, on New Year's Eve and and it just seemed like it was so far away. So quite miraculous that we've had, you know, no hiccups, touch wood, um, since the season resumption. And now we are. We're going to get through round 18, finish the home and away season, and then fingers crossed there's no more um, no more setbacks and we'll get through a final series and have the decider on October 24 at the Gabba. Mm, massive for the, the competition generally, I imagine, to be able to get that that financial windfall secured of a, of a full season of, of broadcasting games. It's certainly something that, um, you know, as we've said many times, probably people didn't think was going to be possible at stages. I know there were, there was a lot of sentiment in April and May on social media to just call off the whole season from some people saying it's too hard. Just call the whole thing off. Don't try to mess around with it, but they, they have been agile. They have been nimble. And, um, and following this weekend, there's going to be a, I think an element, I mean, there's still, there still is a month of footy to go, but there's going to be a bit of a deep breath coming from wherever it is Gillam McLaughlin will be staying um, at the moment, probably out of the quarantine hub now, but wherever it is he'll be staying, you'd imagine there'd be a deep breath and a sense of, of immense relief, maybe more than any other emotion. For sure. Get through this weekend and there's just nine games to get through. Yeah. Uh, nine finals to get through and the season's done. So, like, remarkable effort by the AFL the players particularly. Yep, definitely. The um, families. Support, support staff, families, everyone. A lot yeah. of sacrifices made to um, keep the season going, keep people entertained in these difficult times, keep people employed. Like it's mm. um, the flow and effect has been huge and a lot of people deserve a pat on the back and a lot of people can feel proud of what they've done. I mean, there's still a bit of bit of footy to be played another five or six weeks until the grand final. But yeah, exciting to get to this point of the season and, it's great to now think that we're just around the corner from purely talking footy. Logistics yes. kind of get put on the back burner a little bit. Yep. Um, I guess the off-field, we're really talking nuts and bolts footy, which is exciting after the after the year of um, troubles and the season of difficulties that have had to be that we've had to navigate through. Yeah, look, it's going to be an amazing Amazon documentary when they put that thing together that we've known they've been filming, isn't it? I saw. I think I saw the Amazon crew with a. Uh, with the Gold Coast Suns at the Q Clash, following them out onto the field there. So, um, yeah, whenever they put that documentary season 2020 together, that's going to be riveting viewing. It sure is. They're, they're going to be great to watch. I mean, oddly enough, Gold Coast are probably going to be one of the more boring um, <laughs> docos, I think. I mean, they had an exciting start of the season. They drifted off. But there's been crews following teams in hubs, which I think will be mm. most fascinating. Collingwood, um, even Adelaide going backwards and forwards West between Coast. states. West Coast stuck here yeah. and so many storylines. It's going to be so exciting when it comes out. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, look, just before we get into looking at the Swans match, we uh, also have a little bit of news to share, which is good news for you, Mike, and and even better news for the future of the Raw deal. Yeah, I've um, maybe some of the listeners would have heard that on Monday the AFL's, um, I guess you'd say final. I don't know if it's final restructure, but it's been a year of turmoil and people losing their jobs, and that certainly came down to our department as well in AFL Media, the AFL.com.au website. And honestly, it was a shocking day for our um, for our website. Um, many people lost their jobs. Luckily for me, I kept mine, so um, that was a, a big relief for me because obviously it's been a stressful six months as I'm sure mm. it's been for a lot of people. But um, personally, I got some good news on Monday, but, oh, mate, it was such a – it was a really hard day and it still is now, 24 hours. Like we're recording Tuesday afternoon, 24 hours after I got given that news. And uh, oh, it's just such mixed feelings because I've had some um, – people that I'm quite close to and that I've known for a long time have lost their jobs. And Mm. it's obviously a difficult industry and difficult time to be looking for work and difficult field to be trying to find work in. And I, I just feel, I just felt sick in the guts when I, you know, when I've messaged and spoken to those people and obviously delighted personally relieved and, um, but just mixed emotions. I think it's going to be hard to get my head around for a little while, had a lot of work to do at the moment, so that's probably kept my mind occupied. Even I had to work at the footy on Monday night, and that probably helped take my mind off things a bit. But so yeah, personally, it's um, I'm really stoked. I'm so excited about telling the stories of the Brisbane Lions and Gold Coast Suns and Queensland footy in general beyond this season because mm. it's a great time to be involved in our game in yeah. our state at the moment. Yeah, really looking forward to the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's great news for, for me and for everyone who loves reading your work. It's great news for the long-term future of the Raw Deal. Um, just about commit you to the to another year of the Raw Deal, I reckon, off the back of that news, uh, likely for 2021. Yeah, I'm locked in, mate. Yeah, there's probably, <laughs> probably no, reason to, no reason to jump off now. So, yeah, really excited, but I, I just do want to, I know I've sort of harped on and I'm probably talking mm. in circles a little bit here, so... Um, I hope the listeners in, just indulge me for a, a second or two, but honestly, it's not just rhetoric. Like my my heart really goes out to those people that have lost their job because it was a nervous wait for me. Like I thought I was a, a reasonable chance of keeping it, but I didn't know. Like it was yeah, yeah. like quite an anxious period, and even after I found out the news, my heart was still racing for you know thirty minutes, forty minutes, just trying to digest what had happened. So I'm um, really thinking of those those other journos that have that have missed out and know that it's a privilege always thought this job's a privilege and it's never been rammed home more than the current than the current climate yeah absolutely no a lot of good journalists who are who have struggled i guess as a result of this it's been a bit of a narrative of the year um with the media industry being one of the hardest hit um alongside probably hospitality and tourism people people do generally think that hospitality tourism events and, and obviously those are the big three but um, you and I both have a pretty good concept of just how, how hard it's been for, for media as well um, in a whole bunch of ways. Well, that is good news. It's good to know that we'll have your brain across the Lions finals campaign this year and 
that you'll be able to write the article um, or the book in years to come of the Lions' next three Pete. So that's all. Uh, that's all promising news. Um, we'll just yeah. we'll have a bit of a look at the the Swans game now. We'll talk a bit about finals machinations and how that's shaping up as well um, before Jared Lyons does join us. But uh, I just wanted to say briefly, Mike, as someone who has kind of ridden this journey a little bit with you through the raw deal, as we all have. Uh, since you first got stood down, you know, alongside a bunch of others earlier on. It is, I know it's complex news, but I'm really stoked for you. I'm stoked the podcast can continue. And um, and I can imagine, you know, it's been such a bizarre year for everybody. But I know I'm at, it's such a, a anxious year in, in many ways for you as well. So congratulations on, on what is good news and, and shouldn't be missed, you know, in the, the midst of it all. Yeah, thanks, Dom. Really appreciate it. Um... I do love the show. I know I sort of took a back seat for a few weeks there while I was getting my head around things, but I've loved the show and I've really loved the support from all the listeners out there. It's a, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. It just amazes me when people get in touch, send you a tweet or send a message through my Patreon page or whatever, whatever avenue they can and let me know that they listen to the raw deal and they love the show because for so many years I thought we were just plugging away on our own with <laughs> a handful of people listening and yeah, maybe yeah. More- Maybe my mum or dad and your parents can hear it now and then. But yeah. No, there's really like, a lot of people out there. So it's my dad it's, listens. We're yet to win my mum over. Judy Fay has uh, has not yet taken the plunge into the raw deal, but we'll keep trying. We'll keep pushing at it. Uh, plenty of up though, which is really heartwarming. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, well let's look at the Swans game. It's funny, Mike, that, that Jared Lyons is joining us. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a heads up. He does get my three votes in the Raw Deal medal, which we'll get to shortly. But I did uh in the first I think two to three minutes of that game, he had one or two touches, which looked slick. And I turned to, I was with uh, my girlfriend, Bronte, and my dad watching the game. And I said, I reckon he's going to be best on ground today. It seemed the conditions perfectly made for him. And he kind of did step up to that mark. Yeah, he was terrific. And I think he gets my three votes as well. Let's give that away now. But he's <laughs> um, kind of kept Brisbane afloat for a while. Mm. That first half, especially when, you know, there was different periods where Sydney had the ascendancy and, he, I mean, he wasn't solo in the midfield. Obviously, we know that they work collectively as a unit, but he was certainly the main driver in that midfield and so crucial in keeping Brisbane afloat when they were, you know, at times battling. So you're right, conditions kind of suit him. He's not the quickest player going around, so a bit of heat out of the game and having a contested game in, in the wet um, plays to his strengths for sure. Uh, I was a bit worried, it's fair to say, at three-quarter time generally in the match. Uh, the, you know, things were level, Swans were pushing hard. And thinking it was our third game in a condensed block there, uh, I was, a, I think probably a bunch of people were a bit worried, how were we going to finish the game off, you know, in in that particular moment? So to see us finish off that strong uh, in those conditions, you know, third game in a condensed block, that's super impressive for the conditioning staff, um, you know, generally. And, and especially against Sydney. I mean, I know that they are not where they have been in the ladder previously, but you can never take a, a win for, against Sydney for granted. There's so many years we just couldn't do it. Um, so many years they were what Richmond kind of are now to us, in a sense. Yep. So you can never take that for granted. And to be able to find that that spark, that energy in the fourth quarter of a wet game in the third game of a big block of condensed fixtures was um, was a really admirable effort. Yeah, it really is. And um, it was interesting, I thought, that a lot of that came from centre bounce. Mm. And we'll get on to delve into it a bit more in a second. But once... Sydney had reduced the deficit to two points and you thought, oh, this is this is getting really tight. Brisbane can't afford to drop this game. They just could not afford to drop it. And then it was 
um, three centre clearances in a row and three goals. Well, I think there was two clearances and a, and a quick turnover that led to another goal out of the centre. And it almost seemed to give Brisbane impetus. They kicked a goal and I think I think Kitty Coleman kicked the second one of those three and everyone got this huge lift. It was almost like they got an injection of energy. Mm. If there was any struggle with run, that um, amazing the boost that a couple of goals and a bit of positive feedback can give you. And then it just, look, it was one-way traffic the rest of the way. So... Yeah, super impressive. Um, game they had to win. Difficult conditions, trip to Cairns, and I know a lot of people that aren't that familiar with Queensland will think it's a game in Queensland and that it's not that big a deal. For It's a two-hour flight. Um, mm. Sydney was effectively the home team there, um, but being based up there. and It was a great win by Brisbane, so they should be real proud of themselves and shown that they're full of run. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh couple of quick talking points. Very impressed by um, Eric Hipwood's run of form into the finals. He's had a really good month or two now. And he's just, he's, I mean, that, that run on, that snap at goal on the run that he, he had, I think, in the fourth quarter, that's that's Eric Hipwood at his absolute best. That's that's the player that a few years ago people would, you know, draw in the comparisons to, to Buddy Franklin um, when he's doing things like that. But it's not just that stuff. He's pairing that with what we saw in the Gold Coast game, you know, and the Collingwood game. He's having much more of an impact just generally in play. It just feels like it's it's really well placed maybe for him to have a really big final series this year potentially. Um, the other one I want to throw at you, Mike, is the question, is Zach Bailey the best set shot for goal in the uh, in the Lions lineup now? Those are those are the two, um, the, maybe the two major talking points. That and the fact that, I wish Oscar's torp had gone through because that would have been one of the highlights of uh, of 2020 if that had made it through. How far did that kick go? <laughs> that I, saw, I saw it. I saw it once. I never. I never actually went back to watch a replay. But <laughs> I reckon I it was at least it. 70 meters. It was at least 70. It could have been 80. Yeah, it was remarkable. That was ridiculous. It was <laughs> gathering distance off the boot. I was looking at it going, "How far is this?" <laughs> yeah, that yep. was ridiculous. On your Zach Bailey question, I've given it no thought. Yeah. But I reckon you got a fair argument. Mm. Like he's, I mean, we haven't seen him take a lot of set shots, but he is pretty reliable. Yeah. If you're 30, 40, 45 metres out and not a lot of angle, he's probably as good a bet as anyone. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly, there's certainly no regular forward who I'd back over him um, at the moment. So, yep, on the spot, I reckon you're right. Yeah, your boy. Yeah, it, it, he just slotted another one comfortably on the weekend, and he makes those look easy. And uh, you know, it just stood out to me because it's not something that's always looked easy this year. So, uh, you know, if we maybe if we have a Dom Sheed moment this year in a grand final, yeah. um, get the ball to get the ball to him, and we'll see what Zach can do there. And then yeah, he's got, a, he's got a simple technique and a simple temperament, Zach. I don't reckon. Yeah. I don't reckon he's confused, and there's a he's not flustered by a lot going on in inside mm. his head there. So I reckon he just goes back, keeps it real simple, and straight yeah. through and. Maybe that's the secret to his technique. Doesn't yeah, overthink things. Maybe. Well, look, it, it does lock in top two for the second year in a row. A remarkable effort. We can appreciate it more a little bit next week on the podcast when we know where things you know sit properly. Um, in the meantime, though, Mike, uh, it is time to don the tuxedos and give our votes in the most prestigious award in the AFL. It's the second last Raw Deal Medal votes uh, before the final series. And I imagine, Mike, we will keep things going through the finals. Uh, we, we have had a runaway winner from very early on in the season. Uh, I don't know if he can be caught, but we'll just keep going for the fun of it anyway. 
uh, pushing through these. We've both already admitted we've gone Jared Lyons for the three votes. I gave Darcy Gardiner the one. I think he was outstanding in the absence of Harris Andrews. Uh, and Dan McStay, the two. Where did you land? I gave Dan Rich the two, and I gave Dan McStay the one. So, um, yeah, I I, I like Richie's game. I thought he mopped up well. I thought he set up a lot of play from halfback. And you gave McStay two votes, and I gave him one, so we probably don't need to justify ourselves too much there. But, um, yeah, it was good to see him. You've mentioned Eric Hipwood Mm. certainly finding some more consistent form in the last few weeks, and it was really good to see Dan McStay, you know, match that – um, level that hippies jumped up to on on Sunday night. He was he was exceptional. Yep, absolutely. If they can both be firing come finals time, watch out. That's going to be very exciting. Uh, let's talk a bit of finals machinations um, just briefly because there's a there's a interestingly maybe tantalising scenario at play this weekend. That is that if the Lions can beat Carlton and Collingwood get over Port Adelaide. Uh, despite not holding the position at any stage, I don't think in 2020 the Lions will be the minor premiers and will finish first. And those two results are not out of the question at all. Um, certainly Collingwood will have a lot to play for uh, because, you know, they, they have guaranteed a final spot. But, um, you know, uh, if they lose to Port Adelaide, they probably have to go to Perth to play West Coast um, for the first week of finals. Whereas if they if they are able to, to beat Port Adelaide, they won't have to do that trip. So... It's going to be a really interesting weekend. I think Collingwood Port is the final game of the round, to to my memory, on Monday night. It is on Monday so, night at the Gabba. Yeah, so look, that one could be an absolutely riveting game. It all might come down to that uh, by the sounds of things. Uh, if any other scenario than that happens, though, the Lions will finish second. Um, assuming Richmond beat Adelaide, which you would think they will, but who knows with Adelaide at the moment, it seems they've suddenly discovered they're a good team again. Um, but if Richmond do win that, they will lock in third spot. Um, West Coast are playing North and Geelong are playing Sydney. Again, Sydney are pretty good at the moment, but you would still think both those teams win those games, which would see Geelong fourth, West Coast fifth. So, uh, look, we've locked in top two. So the path to the Gabba grand final is clear. It's, you know, a, qualifying final and a prelim final at the Gabba win them both you straight into a um into a grand final at the Gabba it's a pretty clear path there, there might only be after Carlton three three Gabba games and we're we're home um it's just an interesting one though to just think about the machinations and the fact that the most likely scenario as things currently sit is uh and we'll talk to JL about this in a second but is a second versus third Brisbane versus Richmond final yet again up against that what did I call him the other week there the big boss at the end of a video game once more. Yeah. Yeah. The, the nemesis. Yes. The, they only, are. the only hoodoo left to tick off yeah. under the Chris Fagan era. So I reckon it'd be great. I saw a lot of people post the Sydney match on social media on Sunday night, almost dreading it. Yep. yep. Thinking not wanting to play Richmond, want to avoid Richmond. Um, from my perspective, I'm like, no, you've got to, like you have to beat the best teams to win the premiership. There's yeah. no sidestepping Richmond. Like you've, if Brisbane finished second and Richmond finished fourth, they'd likely they would have to play them in a preliminary final or a set. They would have to play them at some stage mm. to to win the premiership. If you finish in the top four, the most likely scenario is that you have to beat every other top four team to win the premiership. Yeah. I know it doesn't always work like that, but that's generally how it goes. And what better way to shake the hoodoo than to do it in a final? Yeah, I, yeah. If I was a Brisbane player, I would be so excited about that prospect. Mm. You think 
they played very well in the qualifying final last year. I think Brisbane played a tiny bit better and were better for a bit longer at Metricon Stadium six or seven weeks ago. Haven't been able to put it on the scoreboard and really pressure Richmond late into a game. Wouldn't you want that opportunity? I'm, I'm sure the players would be itching to get that monkey off their back. So um, I'd love to see that scenario personally. Yep, and yep. I know there'd be a ton of pressure on Brisbane. There'd be a lot of talk particularly from Southern media about Brisbane going out in straight sets in 2019 and now facing the Premier's first up. Could it be a repeat scenario and mm. finals pressure and all this? But I reckon it'd be fantastic. Yeah. It'd be a great opportunity. Just a great setup. Well, it gives you, you know, the exact perfect chance to make amends, doesn't it? I mean, yep. this is the whole thing is if we had beaten Richmond at that game of Metricon earlier this year, that would have been a really exciting win. That would have been great. Don't get me wrong but it doesn't quite make up to losing to them in a qualifying final. So you actually get the the exact opportunity. It would be like if GWS came up against them in the grand final. You, you, it's not beating them in a regular home and away fixture doesn't make up to losing to them in a grand final. But if you beat them in a grand final, that would do it. Now, it doesn't look like GWS are, are really going to be around the mark to do that this year, but this would be our chance to, to you know, square the ledger and totally make amends for that um, qualifying final match last year. And... I just want to throw into that as well that uh, Chris Fagan's mantra the whole way through has been about um, taking learnings out of games and and we've seen teams who've beaten us comfortably you know early on in Fagan's time that that we've been able to go and get them and they haven't really maybe gotten over us again since then even Collingwood I know um that Fags said before the the Collingwood game the other week that we just haven't really been able to find a way or maybe you said that. We haven't been able to find a way to stop Collingwood scoring under him, you know, and, and then they were able to do it. We found a way to do it the other night. And so I think we've had so many chances to come up against Richmond now, um, to come up against this powerhouse, to watch how they work, that if that's the scenario that plays out, uh, you, I'd be pretty confident, not necessarily of the win, I'm not saying that, but I'd be confident that we'd be going in much better equipped than we have in any previous game just on the basis of the experience we've had against them. Yeah, and I also feel like there's this, um, by extension, there's this notion that, oh, if Brisbane don't get Richmond, the alternative is is a lot easier. And I agree that it, it probably would be a touch easier because I think Richmond are the premiership favourites, but mm. the alternative would probably be uh, Geelong. Yep. Geelong smacked Brisbane yeah, and it was yes. only in one quarter. It was only in one quarter, but it was a smacking in that one quarter. And I know that's a small part of the game to fix, but they're a very good team. It took a Link McCarthy like skyscraper and goal to beat Geelong at a full gabba last year. They're a difficult team and undoubtedly Geelong are better this year than they were in 2019. So they're a difficult opponent. Granted, in in my eyes at the moment, not quite the level of Richmond. I guess after they we saw when they played each other last Friday night, we saw that. But they're a difficult opponent. So you're not yeah. getting an easier um you know, an easier matchup in week one of the finals. Take on Richmond, meet them while you're playing well. If Brisbane go into that final, think, you know, all things being equal, seven straight wins, what better time to meet them than yeah. to than under that scenario? And, yeah, there might be still – there'll be a question mark over whether Harris Andrews can get back in time and it might not be a full-strength lines. But um, I would just think bring it on. If I agree. I, if I was the well, yeah, you, you I can't you can't fall into a premiership. You know, you got to you got to earn it, and uh, and this is what we're talking about earning it. Not not for a second suggesting it's going to be easy, but that's kind of what makes it worthwhile. Um, what a better 
is there no better way than to flex your muscles as a genuine yes. premier yeah. contender? Yep, it's a great point. And, and I know that um, I've seen on social media too, Mike, there's been a sense of disappointment or frustration from Lions fans, Port Adelaide fans too, for that matter, um, at how the, the Melbourne media largely has not spoken about Brisbane as a premiership contender. And largely that is because when the tests against particularly Richmond have come, we haven't been able to do it yet. So if you want to announce yourself on the national stage that this is no longer a team on the rise, but a, a team that is right there threatening and, and you know, should be a chance for the next bunch of premierships, this is how you do it. This is the way you get that done. You, you only earn your stripes in finals. And I've heard a bit of talk coming out of South Australia recently about Port Adelaide getting no respect. Mm. It's the same as Brisbane last year. Port Adelaide's had a great year and I certainly... Like I, I, I genuinely respect their um, their footy. Like I think they yeah. play exciting brand. Brisbane beat them. Geelong gave them an absolute lesson. The difference is Port Adelaide did get over Richmond, mm. um, you know, a month or so ago. So they've got that notch uh, on their belt. But you won't earn the ultimate respect until you do it in finals. So until people see it with their own eyes, you're not going to give teams that credit. That that is Brisbane and Port Adelaide at the moment to a T. So yep. Um, I guess we'll we'll learn a lot more in what is it now two and a half weeks time when we learn the matchups and when we see them um, firsthand. But oh, mate, it's so exciting to think about Isn't these it? teams squaring off against each other and yeah, you know how would how would how is Brisbane going to stop um, Dustin Martin when he goes forward this year after he tore them apart last year and. How are they going to yeah. handle the pressure game of the Tigers? And um, it's it's really exciting. It's so exciting, and you know I think the the energy that's going to hit the moment this round finishes next Monday night, and generally the AFL release the finals fixture if not that night then the next day, and it might be a bit different this year, and they need to see who can play where and who's happy to play where. But the moment that finals fixture drops, the sense of anticipation that's going to just you know instantly arrive. It is going to be tantalizing. And, um, you know, th- I think that's why the, the message for this weekend against Carlton is, you, firstly, for, from a member's point of view, enjoy the end of what has been a really good home and away season. And, you know, certainly pay credit to that. But realize that we, regardless of how you look at it, Brisbane did lose both finals last year. And the chance to make amends for that at long last is now only two weeks away. Pretty rem- I, mean, I know you touched on it at the start of this conversation but pretty remarkable to get yourself back into that exact same position yeah, again 12 months later massively like second last year seemed like an absolute dream ride brisbane won nine in a row mm. at one stage there um i think to get there and um to give yourself the exact same opportunity 12 months later is remarkable effort um, yep. to be so consistent brisbane's lost two games since the season resumed three for the entire season mm. Say what you want, but thirteen and three is um, an incredible achievement um, to date. Yep. Hopefully, to be fourteen and three after Saturday night, but um, and a lot and a lot a different path this year. Not just because of the challenges the season has thrown up, but Brisbane's unearthed so many new players. I think there's been mm. six six debutants, maybe seven, um, and guys that are now genuinely pushing for final spots that yeah, absolutely you wouldn't have thought would have been the case at the start of the year. Well, I mean, at this stage, Kadeen Coleman's playing finals, isn't he? Yep, he is for me. Yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about who falls out for him, but he's 
in his first three games, he's made it. He's making it very difficult to be dropped. So Absolutely. that's all you can ask for when you give him an opportunity. Absolutely. Well, uh, look, we'll talk briefly about Carlton then, Mike, because this it almost is this. Uh, it's not a game you can just overlook, and, and if you need any proof of that, just look to the game before the bye the last time we did come up against Carlton. You, you wouldn't want to be going into this one uh, not 100% mentally switched on because Carlton, yes, they, they may be been a bit disappointing in the cu- past couple of games they've played um, in some different ways, but they've also shown amazing patches of form this year, and um, and you would think you would think that just before they wrap up their, the, well, at least this form of their hub experience and and their first season under David Teague full time, that there'll be an enormous, enormous incentive to them to uh, to to prove that this season hasn't been a waste. Yeah, exactly right. And from the Lions' perspective, you just don't want to flirt with what you've got at the moment. You'd hate to go into a finals off a loss. Mm. I know it'll be put behind you very quickly, but there's just too many questions after a loss. We'd we'd be searching for answers from the outside and what are the cracks in Brisbane's armour ahead of playing a Richmond or Geelong? You just want to keep the ball rolling, keep that midfield humming. Yeah. Um, guys like Eric Hipwood to keep his form up. Charlie Cameron looks a bit more in, uh, reinvigorated the, the past couple of matches. You just want to see those things trending in the right direction, full of confidence and no question marks heading into a final series. So um, you're right though, Carlton can play exciting footy. They like to try and play take the game on. They can score very quickly. They can also mm. leak goals pretty quickly, but generally play a good brand of footy and they're a dangerous opponent. Yep, absolutely. So, look, we'll talk a bit more about all this with Jared Lyons. Though. He has just joined our Zoom chat. JL, thank you for making time for the Raw Deal. No worries. Thanks for having me, lads. Look, we, we last had you on, and we have to touch on this off the top, I think. We last had you on a week out from round one. I remember talking to you about... Uh, the prospect of games without crowds and we were all laughing and saying, surely that's not actually going to happen. And, and it seems kind of almost fitting in a sense to have you on again, just before the last round of the regular season, uh, re- reflecting back on that, reflecting back on the past six months, what, what are your, your reflections, your thoughts on, on all that this year has been? Um, yeah, well, it certainly does feel like a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, it's, it's been an adventure, you could say. Um, it's still been great to uh, actually play footy um, in general. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's, it's hard to sort of put into words what's we've, what we've gone through. But I mean, in the end, we've got through 17, 18 games. We've got a final series coming up. Um, I think the AFL has done a really a, a great job in being able to get our game over the line here. So um, yeah, I, you sort of feel for the people that have been out of work all year and um, you sort of feel a bit privileged to be where we are at the moment, I think. What's been the hardest thing to adjust to off the field, JL? Um, it actually hasn't been that that bad. I mean, we're spending actually less time at the club, if anything. So probably just making sure you're, um, you're doing enough in terms of extras and doing enough in terms of... Um, getting yourself right and ready to go in, in sort of touch work and things like that because there's not a lot of time you can spend at the club um, to sort of get those things done and there's only a certain amount of people you're allowed to interact with and, and different groups that you're um, you're sort of involved with so you, you don't see a lot of people that you'd normally see what day in, day out. So, um, yeah, you sort of find it – you sort of see 
I guess it's interacting with a lot of the younger guys that you're not playing with every week is, is a bit tough, but you can't um, you sort of can't help them out uh, as much as you you would like to. Um, but otherwise, it's it's been nice spending a fair bit of time at home as well with a with a young son and um, being able to spend some time with him. So there has been positives in in what's been a tough year. We are uh, talking to you from your ha- your house at the moment. We can see you zooming in from there. Is Sebastian asleep at the moment? Is has he gone in for their afternoon nap? He actually is asleep, so I'm trying to be as quiet <laughs> as I can. Sorry if you can't hear me. Um, he's a very good sleeper, so um, we're pretty lucky in that regard. What's it been like to, I guess, go through so much time at home with a you know quite a, a new baby? Has it has that been exhausting in its own way? Um, oh, my wife's been amazing. She's she's taken the reins and, and done a lot of it. Um, it has been uh, probably tough at times. We're playing a lot of night games, um, so the the next morning's normally the hard part. Um, you feel guilty for not waking up <laughs> when he's sort of getting up at six six thirty in the morning. So, um, but yeah, no, Sav Sav has been amazing in, in sort of letting me sleep in after a long night game and things like that. So we. We've made a pretty good team. I'll try and take care of him um, whenever I get the chance and try and give her as much space as she can have because we've got no family here at the moment. So it's sort of just us two working it out, but we're doing pretty well. One, one more on that. Um, before we move to the footy, mate, I was, I was just going to – funny you say that it was just the two of you there trying to figure it out. I was going to ask how difficult it's – it is on partners and I guess not so much in your case, but kids and I guess people associated with players at the moment. We don't tend to think of them directly, but they're impacted as much as you guys in the fact that I guess they can't have friends over or, or go out to the restaurants or whatever. Can you tell us, I guess, how hard, how hard it is on their front? Yeah, I think they've, they've made a massive sacrifice for us. Um, you do feel for the, the young families with kids who don't have any family in the state or their family are in Victoria where they can't actually get out. So, um, yeah, I know my mum and dad are, are desperate to, to see him. They've only seen him once or twice and he's mm. 13 months old now. So, um, yeah, it is, it's difficult, but he's actually, we've been pretty lucky. He's been really good for us. Um, but yeah, you feel for even the families that are in the hubs from, um, the other players and things like that with two or three kids. I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be hard work. So, um, yeah, credit to the, the players and the wives that have sort of pushed through this year and done it tough. But I mean, as I said, that there's people in Victoria that aren't working and they're out of out of jobs and stuff like that. So certainly not taking what we've got for granted at the moment. Well, we did see the news last week that uh, that Ryan Lester uh, has welcomed his first baby in with his partner. Uh, have you texted him any parenting advice yet? He's actually he created a group message straight away, and um, <laughs> with all the with all the dads in the group, and just <laughs> made sure that he could send through a message whenever he was having trouble. But um, <laughs> sounds like sounds like he's a natural. Um, he's a bit of a father figure and has been for the last six years, I reckon. So um, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. There's um there's a lot of young boys, like a lot of boys that the um, players are having. So. We'll be able to fill, fill a side soon enough, I'd imagine. <laughs> Let's talk about footy then, mate. Um, obviously, he's played Sydney a couple of nights ago. We, we might start there. Mm. It always looked like a danger like a danger game to me. They're, they're playing pretty well, and you guys obviously had a short turnaround. How did you manage to find the legs in the last quarter when things got really tight? Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of respect for Sydney and the way they've gone about it. They're missing a lot of key players, but they're still... Um, 
they're still playing some really good footy. Uh, their defence is very strong, so we knew it was going to be a, a bit of a slog in terms of trying to actually score, um, especially in that ground where there's sort of only one scoring end. Um, but, yeah, I think sort of a bit of an arm wrestle for three and a half quarters and, and they sort of threw everything at us in that first part of the last quarter and, yeah, got within two points. But I think probably the way we were going, the scoring end, um, the breeze was still there. So we, we knew we were only a couple of kicks away from sort of breaking the game open. And um, I think credit to our forwards who toiled away all night in pretty tough conditions, really got going in that last quarter. And it probably just shows how quickly we can score when we're um, we're sort of coming out of centre bounce like we did. So, uh, yeah, it was a dangerous game. And I think the boys were pretty tired after afterwards. But um, I guess it was a bit of a reward to, to sew up a top two spot and, um, and get the win. From just about the start of the game, you you were setting the pace in the midfield. When you run out and see those sort of you know those conditions where it's going to be a bit of an in, uh, in and under game, do you know from the start? Oh, I, this is um this is my home ground advantage in a sense. <laughs> yes, I do. I love it when it rains. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, especially when you're coming off a four or five day break and you know it's not going to be a, a fast. Um, pinging game up and down the ground it was um yeah it was nice i do enjoy it it's just when it's a little bit slippery and, the, and everyone's sort of leg speed slows down a bit so um yeah i think i started well but ran out of legs again in the second second half of the game with like a few of the boys so um yeah it was nice to i guess get a nice stoppage sort of in and under game um after yeah i think our last few games have been quick turnover games so it's good to change it up every now and again Obviously, a lot of attention on Lockie Neal the other night. I'm sure you guys would have um, prepared for that. And what did you think about how it unfolded and how you managed to work together as a unit to spread the load? Uh, yeah, I thought Locke was amazing, actually. He, um, he he played a really selfless role in terms of just um, sort of trying to get a 2v1 uh, in, the, in the midfield and um, just battling a tag all night. He... He was playing different roles, um, going to other players, uh, just fighting through it. And it was probably the best sort of attitude and, and effort game I've seen him play all year. So um, that was credit to him because, yeah, it's a bit unfair when things like that happen to, to good players. But, um, yeah, uh, that's what probably shows that we've got other players that can stand up in his absence and, and play well when he's not getting a heap of the footy. So... Um, that's probably where we're at as, at as a side at the moment. We're not re- relying on um, one or two individuals. We're, we're playing real team effort game. How have you noticed him, I guess, keep a level head out there? Because you can only imagine when you watch that footage of being, you know, bumped off and wrestled mm. at every single contest, that it would be really hard to keep your mental state in a, you know, calm and balanced and, and focused um, state in the game. Yeah, I guess when you've got a brown low riding on it, you can't be throwing too many punches. That's <laughs> 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 probably as good a reason as most to uh, keep the fist down. Um, but I think he, yeah, I, I think that's as I said, he played a really selfless game in terms of knowing that he wasn't going to get those big numbers, but did a lot of work around the ball that you probably wouldn't see um, watching it from TV. Um which I thought was amazing from him. Um, I thought it was yeah, a real trademark game. And, um, yeah, shows where, where the team's at at the moment that we don't – it doesn't matter who does it, I think, is, uh, is probably the main thing that uh, sort of comes out of that. Like, as a midfield group, we don't care who's getting the footy as long as we're getting forward and giving our forwards a chance. Um, how do you balance trying to 
keep that even spread and keep to the structures and the game plan that you guys like to use with trying to get Lockie a bit more involved. I'm sure him getting a few touches makes him feel a bit better and makes everyone else feel a bit better as well. How do you walk the line between those two um, two options, I guess? Um, oh. I think the thing with Lockie is he, he gets his own footy. We don't have to really worry about get, get it, getting him the yep. ball. Um, yeah. When you got blokes hanging off you, like you can't just give it to him. Um, I think at one stage in the centre bounce, when we got a free kick, we gave him the. We said he was the ruckman <laughs> and gave gave him the ball. So that was that was one way we Remember did. That? Um, yeah, I mean it's tough. It's a tough one. You don't want to really go outside structures to to give a bloke mm. the ball, um, which is what yeah I think we had other blokes step up. I thought Cam Alice Olman was um, really good coming back into the side. Um, probably Conditions suited him as well. Uh, Zach Bailey's been unreal, sort of half forward and through the wing and, and getting that running power. So there's guys that just step up and Lockie knows that he's not going to have that 25, 30 touches, but his impact on the game I thought was still really good. There has been a lot of talk all year about Lockie's form. Uh, I want to talk about your form uh, for a second. I mean, it, it seems to me that you've gone under the radar in the competition this year. Um, w- would you say it's been maybe the best year of your career form-wise? Because it certainly, I think there's a strong argument that could be made for it. Uh, probably consistency-wise, yeah. Um, it's hard to judge with these shortened quarters. But, yeah, my impact on the game's probably been the best that... Um, I've put out last year was solid as well but yeah I think I've I've probably gone to another level this year that I needed to go to and I still think I've got a little bit more there as well so um, I just want to make sure I keep improving and uh, sort of when you get to my age you you can't sort of stop um, because the young young bucks are coming so (laughs) just got to got to make sure you keep playing well and, and I really pride myself on not having if you have a bad game not having two bad games in a row so that's something that I've been working on and been nice. I don't, I don't mind. I don't need any accolades or anything like that. I just, um, yeah, w- want to win that flag. So yeah, whatever it takes to get there. Must feel like a real unit in there, mate. Like there was no one. I think you had twenty touches the other night. That was the most any midfielder had. I think Richie had a couple more, but mids you were so even. Cam Ellis Yolman, who you touched on a minute or two ago, just came seemed to fit in seamlessly. I'm sure when Jared Berry is available again, he'll just roll back in. Just the con. Even when there's players coming in and out, you guys don't seem to skip a beat. It must be a good feeling knowing that you've got eight or nine or 10 or 11 guys that can go that part of the ground and it doesn't seem to affect anything. Yeah, I think I think when we're playing our best footy, there's, as you said, that spread, there's not many blokes that are having over 25 touches and a lot of them surround 15 to 20 sort of thing. So um, I guess it's... It, it helps because you can't stop. Like Obviously, Lockie's the one they're going to go to, but you can't stop players when everyone's having an impact. You can't stop everyone. So, um, yeah, I think we've sort of wanted to be a real a real strong unit um, in that regard. And there's a lot of players sort of flicking through the midfield. We're not just having two or three or four mainstays. We can fit five or six guys going through there at any one time. And, and then mids going forward, kicking goals and... Um, boys through the wing there's four or five boys that can go through the wing I think um, Mitch Robertson the last couple of weeks he's not getting a lot of the ball but his impact on the game has been unreal his attack on the footies as good as it's been so um, yeah it's not all about what you see on TV in terms of getting the ball and and, and things like that it's the defensive stuff which we really value and, and, and what gets you a game at the moment so um, yeah it, it is really exciting 
Want to ask you about Oscar McInerney. We've been singing his praises for the past couple of months here. He has stepped up in uh, the absence of Steph Martin and, and his development trajectory is uh, kind of a bit insane, really. From uh, Mike and I were saying just last week when he was initially in the role when Steph got injured, there was talks of, you know, is he up to being an number one ruckman long term? And no one's asking that question now a couple of months on. C- can you talk about uh, what you see in Oscar? Uh, someone who's hungry, like he's hungry to learn. He's a very humble guy too. He, 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 he you sing his praises and he almost apologizes for it. So, um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's a great player to have. He's, uh, he's competitive, but yeah, as I said, very, just a really nice guy. And, um, yeah, the way he's gone about it this year without Steph's been unreal. And even Archie Smith come in on the weekend, he was probably unlucky. He rolled his ankle the last time he came in, but I thought he played really well on the weekend too. So um, there's certainly some nice ruck stocks there when Steph's not there. And um, obviously, yeah, Oscar's gone to another level and he's matched it with some of the best ruckmen in the in the competition. And um, yeah, it goes to show you don't have to be a big name to be able to compete really well. And um, yeah, he just keeps getting better and better. So I'm really excited for the next sort of four to six week period of what he can do for us in the midfield. What one more game, Jared? Obviously on Saturday night against Carlton before the finals, but obviously we've got a bit of work now to have a look at. Um, you've only lost three matches. Like, where do you think the the main improvement will come from um, over the remainder of the season? To I guess to see if you can take a step or two further than than last year. Um, I reckon at the moment defense is winning games in terms of the best teams seem to sort of probably be keeping teams to really low scores. So if we can defend really well um, in these shortened quarters, like you don't get as tired. So you're seeing teams, um, I guess, defence hold up for long periods of time and there's not that flurry of goals. Sort of like, I guess on the weekend, it was really late that we got them, but it is hard to break teams down. Like you saw the Collingwood game, like it's, they're good defences seem to be able to play the whole four quarters. So I, I think at the moment our defence is really solid. So it's going to be about the attacking brand of being able to to, to get through a Geelong defence or a Richmond defence or a Port Adelaide defence and, and things like that. So I think our defence is holding up really well, as are pretty much all the teams. So it'll just be that avenue to go and, and yeah, trying to score sort of quick and heavily, which has been really tough to do at the moment. Um, so, they, yeah, they say defence wins flags, but at the moment everyone's defending really well, so it's going to be about putting that score on the board and scoreboard pressure in short games seems to be the way to go. It's interesting you mentioned Richmond there. It's a bit of a funny scenario that if your results go as expected, it's a good chance it'll be the two-versus-three qualifying final at the Gabba against Richmond again, just like last year. I know you don't want to look too much further than the Carlton game this weekend, but is there this this mindset in the players of hunger, of desire to take on Richmond again, this team you haven't been able to get over so far? Is there that sense of excitement about it? Yeah, I think... Personally, I believe they're the best team at the moment, so it is like... We've got to beat them eventually, and, and what, what better time than the, the first qualifying final... Um, I think we've played pretty well against them. We just obviously haven't haven't put it on the scoreboard, like I said. So, um, yeah, it is exciting. And, and I think all things being equal, we'll probably be playing them. So, um, yeah, we're ready for it. Um, we've certainly probably played two really good games against them that have show, like, taken a lot of learnings out of the last couple of times we've played them. So we'll look back on, on those couple of games and, um, 
obviously, yeah, if it all comes to the fore, it's going to be an exciting game and really looking forward to it. I guess we won't know until you get there and, and have a chance to play Richmond or whoever it is in the first qualifying final. But do you feel like there's a genuine belief, as I guess a lot of it comes down to in finals, that you can you know, take a step or two or hopefully even three for your guys' sake um, come finals time? Yeah, I think if we didn't believe last year, we certainly should be believing this year. So um, I think the the boys, it's a wealth of experience what we've got from last year and the team has hardly changed. So um, I think everyone's raring and ready to go. And um, yeah, it, it's it's funny because we lost both finals, but I think that, that second final we... We probably lost it ourselves more than anything, so it's. Um, I think it's. There's a big hunger there to to make up for that, and um, yeah, finishing top two is a, a credit to the work we've put in. Um, I think a lot of people wrote us off and, and thought we'd be similar to Melbourne and, and slide back down the ladder. So it is. Um, it's a credit to to where we're at and the maturity of the group um, to come so close and and still keep that that fighting spirit to finish top two again. Um, we've given ourselves a chance, and now we've just got to go on with it. I guess it is a remarkable effort. And when you joined the club at the end of 2018, if you'd known that, that two top two finishes were coming, it probably would have surprised, you know, even your most optimistic yeah. expectations back then. How much of a testament is that, I guess, to all the work that's been done over the past uh, two years since you, you've joined the club and the club's kept working together? Oh, the, the, for such a young group, the, the training standards is something that stands out for me. Um, the boys in the off season when there's nobody around train as hard, if not harder than what we do in a normal pre-season session. Um, the hunger and drive to get fit and get better in summer is, um, is what set us up. I've no doubt. Um, especially even over that COVID break period, the boys were training like, yeah, their lives depended on it. So it's, it certainly stood out. And, um, I think the, the fitness of us being able to run out games is probably something that's noticeable in it. It doesn't just happen. Um, we've put in a lot of work to get to this point. So um, you can only be as fit as you <laughs> you can be, but you've got to be able to move the ball and use the footy well. So um, that's the next sort of step is, is having that composure with the ball. And um, it's it's coming. You know, we've got a little bit to go, but uh, yeah, it is. It's a, the boys are just keep getting better and there's just a hunger to improve. So it's, it's really exciting. One of those guys that we know is super fit is... Jared Berry, can you give us a little insight into how he's recovering from his shoulder? Like it was um, a bit vague coming out of the club post match, but it seems like he'll be right for the for the finals. How's he progressing so far? Uh, I think he's pretty good. Um, I haven't seen much. I didn't see much today, but I think the main sessions on Thursday will be the test. Um, so if he can get through Thursday, he, he plays. But I guess that's another one, whether you want to take a risk um, with anyone. Um, so up to phase at the moment, I think it will be individually based. And yeah, the, I wish I could tell you more, but I think after Thursday, we'll know a bit more. And um, I'm sure he's putting his hand up, but then it's, it's up to the medicos to, to decide whether they let him go or not. We'll ask you about Carlton uh, in a second. I just want to know, we've seen on the club social media, the uh, the trip up to Cairns and all the beautiful parts of Queensland where we're on the club's Instagram story recently. Are you eyeing off a, a Queensland holiday <laughs> postseason? Is that something that, that the family might do? Yeah, man, I love I love Cairns and um, Port Douglas and that. So I'll be, and I love fishing. So I'll be going straight up to either Noosa or, yeah, fly up to Cairns or somewhere at some stage. And then um, I think, 
assuming the borders are open to South Australia, we'll probably get back to Adelaide for for a little bit, um, which is where my partner is from. So we'll catch up with her family, and I'll go back there and see a few friends. But yeah, at the moment, I mean, there's probably there's nowhere else you'd rather be, as they say. Um, yeah, so yeah, I guess it'll be depending on what we're allowed to do and, and what the government lets us do. But yeah, I'm certainly been booking in a, a trip to Cairns uh, come the off season. Good to add that one, JL. Done well. <laughs> um, hopefully, they're, hopefully they're listening and uh, yeah. <laughs> throwing me something. Just, um, just on Carlton, like you're locked into the top two, but I guess you don't want to flirt with form going into finals and you want to finish the home and away season strongly. Now, they were probably one of the most disappointing performances last year just before the bye when mm. um, Patrick Cripps almost sort of single-handedly took, took you apart. Um, I guess, firstly, how do you slow a guy like him down or how do you minimise his influence and expecting more broadly, what are you expecting from Carlton on Saturday night? Well, I think I've just seen that uh, Cade Simpson's retiring, so there's no um, there's no probably better motivator than one of your club legends retiring. So I think we saw that last week in, in Gibbs retiring, Adelaide getting up. Um, so I, I think they'll come out to play, and um, it's a tough one because you don't know what to expect. But you're right; we're just going to have to come out. And I mean, Cripps is obviously a, a superstar, but by no means, as I said, is one player going to win a game for them? Other than what probably did last year. But um, I think as a group, we can stop that. We've got um, probably got Curly. You know, Cam Alex Yolman, who's is big enough to match it with him, but um, I think if we we bring our pressure game, don't let them with easy clearances. I think they got a few easy clearances last year. I remember and easy goals from clearances. So if we can sort of stop that, um, a bit like what we've probably brought all year, and in, in not letting the ball come out of the midfield easy, um, with with likes of Zorks, who's one of the best pressure players I've played with. Um, Gives us our backs, backs a chance, and our backs have held up really well. So if we can get the ball going in there dirty, um, we're a chance to win it back and rebound. And at the same time, Oscar is going to give us a real good look in the ruck too. So um, counteract it the other way and win the footy. You can't do much without the footy there. So <laughs> we can get it forward and give the boys up there a chance. We'll we'll be right on it. But yeah, as I said, it's um, it's not it's important not to flirt with form like you put it there, fish. Um, we got to keep that momentum rolling into finals. It is uh, the, the last, obviously, regular home and away game for the year. You guys are one of very few clubs who've been fortunate enough to play uh, with just about a whole season, really, in front of Brisbane Lions members, in front of home fans. Um, you know, uh, most weeks have been a reasonably decent-sized and, and volume crowd. How much has that, that meant to you guys this year? I guess when you consider that almost the whole competition has, has not been able to enjoy that and experience that, has that been a real boost for you? Yeah, I think it only takes 10,000 people at the Gabba to, to make a difference. It's, it echoes so well and, and everyone's so loud. So, um, yeah, it certainly it certainly helps. And it's a credit to, to Queenslanders and um, to sort of getting around AFL footy in general, even watching some of the games where the two Victorian teams are playing, there's still people in the crowd on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. So it is great to see... And, uh, I put it the other day that there's there's kids in the street kicking footballs around and I don't think uh, five years ago you would have seen that happen. So it's exciting times and, and 
<laughs> unfortunate as it is that all the footy's in Queensland, it's great to, to bring the game here and just show a lot of people who had no idea about AFL what it's all about. And um, our supporters have been incredible. Uh, they've stuck with us, um, kept the, their memberships with the club rather than recalling them, um, which is a big step in the way in the direction of this footy club. So it's exciting, and we deserve to, to pay them back and um, keep playing the way we're playing because. They're basically what keeps the club afloat, and it's um, yeah, it's great, and couldn't thank him enough. Well, JL, it's always great to chat to you on the raw deal. Fingers crossed this time there's not another pandemic a week after we chat to you and the whole thing gets derailed <laughs> yeah. again, hey? We'll hope for that. Yeah. Thanks very much, fellas. Appreciate it. And as Jared leaves, Mike, next time when we sit here next week, I mean, the, well, the, the sense of anticipation, I can already start to feel it a little bit just thinking about what that's going to feel like. It's going to be an exciting, uh, an exciting time to be sitting down and starting to preview finals. Just a quick question to you. Do you know as the, as the only, I imagine, AFL, or maybe there's, there's a couple of other AFL media reporters in Queensland now, aren't there? There's uh, Cal Toomey. Yep. And Damian Barrett. So The three of them. Um, there's three of us, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Damien gets out of the hub today, Tuesday, as we're recording, and and Cal's been Cal's been up here for a little while, sure. but in in, an, in another AFL hub. So he's been covering matches, but um, <laughs> but he's been with AFL staff rather than with the the general journalists. But he's up here, so yeah. There's there's a there's a couple of us on the ground now. Do you reckon you'll get to go to uh to most of the finals in Southeast Queensland? Um, yeah, I'm not sure actually. We haven't been told that, but I I guess so. I did, I think, well, I'm going to put this on the record anyway. I did get told yesterday that I'm covering the grand final. So that oh, there was, we go. There we go. That was, yeah, that was, mate, that was the most pleasing, you know, that was such a pleasing thing for me out of the whole day, to be honest. That put the biggest smile on my face out yeah, of anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, I don't know. Have you, I know you've done bits and pieces at a grand final before, but will this be the most significant involvement you've had at a grand final? Yeah, well, at the moment, there's only two or three of us on the ground. So yeah, yeah. normally at a normal grand final afl.com would have um six journalists in the media box yeah, wow. and probably another six or eight in the crowd that would then go into the dressing rooms afterwards like the hmm. mate this is for another episode but the media contingent <laughs> at grand finals is astronomical yeah, which will obviously yeah, yeah. scale back enormously this year so wow um, yeah I imagine it will be my most significant involvement, but we'll, I guess I'll learn more about that in future weeks. Well, I think a lot of neutral fans in Brisbane will be excited by the idea of going to, to finals as well, if we can get tickets to that as well. Um, but anyway, look, we will leave the raw deal there for this week. When we come back next week, uh, all going well. We'll have a finals fixture, Mike, to start discussing, and um, we can have a review of the season so far just before we have a brief breather before finals kick off. Congratulations again, Mike. Uh, hopefully the, the weirdness of this week for you and the mixed emotions settle down um, a little bit, and, uh, and we'll chat to you next week.